The gospel for tonight is from Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Now when the Pharisees gathered together to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, observing the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they purify themselves. And there are many other traditions which they observe, the washing of cups and pots and vessels of bronze. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with hands defiled? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of man. You leave the commandment of God and hold fast the tradition of man. And he said to them, You have a fine way of of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, what would, have, what would you have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition, which you hand on, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again, and he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a man which by going into him can defile him. But the things which come out of a man are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciple asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a man from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and so passes on? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a man is what defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a man. The word of the Lord. imagine the disciples as grown men, middle-aged at least, grizzled, bearded. It probably wasn't so that the disciples were grown men. They were more likely teenager-ish, like post-pubescent, teenagers, like walking around with their hoods up and their pants down low. Any semi-normal Jewish man was married by 18, had kids, and there's no mention in the Gospels of wives or children of the disciples. And once you get that sort of Sunday school illustration out of your head, disciples really do start to seem a little maybe like a roving band of young punks. 
recently freed from the gaze of their parents. They probably grew up trying to be good Jews, maybe not like really especially good, but living reasonably within their cultural mores, kept the Sabbath or tried, stayed away from what their teachers said was unclean, washed the dishes for their mother, washed their hands before they ate. Then they get with this guy, takes him around, starts showing him that you can break the rules. You can cross the boundaries. Mom's not very happy. But the kids feel this budding of some sort of exhilarating freedom. And pretty soon they're running through the fields and plucking the grain on the Sabbath. They're smoking cigarettes on the temple steps. They're sitting down to eat a meal and for the most careful couriers of the sacred law and they aren't washing their hands. They get tattoos. That was still some minor sign of rebellion then. They develop a handshake. They eat Lucky Charms or pizza for breakfast. Like, look at me, I'm free. The law or my mom isn't monitoring what I eat. And I'm not eating whole grain. They come to the table with a good man who care a lot about the social fabric. And they hold it up and they rip the fabric in front of the eyes of the disciples, I mean of the Pharisees. It's really impolite. It seems vaguely immature. It's obnoxious, actually. But I get it. It's exhilarating, the freedom to be bad. I've felt it. All these authorities all the time insisting that if you touched this, did that, tried that, drank that, you'd be defiled. You'd be jeopardizing your relationship with God. You live under the gaze of the religious authorities, the enforcers of the rules. And then you get out from under that. Then they get with this guy who's like, mission is the revelation of God in the world. And he's like, no, man, you don't have to follow the rules. Follow me. And look at him, Jesus. I think it's all way weirder than we usually realize. Jesus is obnoxious in Mark. I don't think moms would warm up to him. The people in important places wouldn't be charmed by him. He's not politically savvy. He's not diplomatic. He's not quietly compelling. He wouldn't have made it past the first month at Bethel College with his flagrant, persistent insistence on breaking the rules. Imagine a group of teenagers following a guy around who says, whatever goes into a man from the outside can't defile him. There's a lot of stuff they might like to put in from the outside inside them. Seems like a reckless sort of thing to tell a group of teenage boys. You mean like, Anything? Like, nothing I put into me can defile me? <sighs> you got to be kidding me. A joint, gin, lips, tongues? Man, you are crazy. I'll follow you. I don't really think that Jesus was an irresponsible gangster leading the youth astray. But he was an outlaw. He did risky things, 
And he led a band of teenagers around, breaking the law, and he was killed by the police, sort of. Laws, cultural mores, community standards are hugely important so that society can function with some semblance of order. But even more than that, the rabbinic law was developed as a means of binding people to God and binding people to each other. It was supposed to help make good community. And Jesus just flies off the handle when the Pharisees question him about the traditions of the elders. I mean, the traditions of the elders couldn't be a mixed bag. But don't you think that there's often some wisdom in it? The tribal elders? The wisdom of the ancient holy men and women? You like to have that. The commentaries all tell you that what Jesus is referring to here in the scripture, the tradition of the elders, wasn't the law, but it was all these practices that they say built fences around the law to help people keep the law, but not for the sake of the law, but for the sake of community, for the sake of relationship to God and each other's. So, for instance, a rabbi said, this is a tradition of men, tithes are a fence around riches. So giving away money was a fence around riches. So there was this tradition about tithing meant to keep people from accumulating money and power. That seems so smart. It seems like we could use a fence like that in the United States of America. That actually seems like a good fence, a nice fence, not like some prison barbed wire kind of a thing, but something like a white picket fence with roses growing up the sides. A fence around wisdom, the rabbis say, is silence. I mean, give me that fence, please. And I'd like it if the Fox News team had that sense, too. It seems like the world would be a better place if everybody had that fence. You know what I mean? The fence around wisdom, silence. And plus, everybody knew that there was holes in the fences if you needed them. I love it. Fences with holes and roses climbing up the side. But Jesus goes on a tirade about the fences. He says, you leave the commandment of God and you hold fast the traditions of men like it's the worst thing. They were just trying, you know? And their efforts seemed kind of beautiful. Jesus isn't like the Buddha in Mark. The Buddha seems all gentle composure, humble and diplomatic, not overly emotional or rash. Jesus in the story of Mark is sarcastic, reacts, it seems like, unnecessarily harshly. He's unbecomingly emotional and angry. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy against you. He seems eager to offend religious people. When he breaks the rules, he does it in the presence of the people that it will disturb the most. He goes out of his way to shock. I mean, why not just ask the boys to wash their freaking hands? Why call these people who are just trying to be good hypocrites? And really? What goes into a man can't defile him? That's kind of a shocking thing to say to a group of Pharisees. And it doesn't seem very true. 
Try eating fish that's moldy. Jesus declares all foods clean. Pesticide, factory farmed, worker killing Mexican grapes, really? Peaches dripping with carcinogens, pop tarts? The rabbis were trying hard to create a sort of communal Jewish life beyond the temple in everyday, ordinary life. And so they focused a lot on eating and food and meals. It makes a lot of sense. Food is so utterly essential to every fiber of our being, our economics, our eating, food production, life. Our cells are actually made out of the food we eat. People eating carefully could change the world. I'm convinced of that. Not thinking that much about where our food comes from, about how we eat, has wreaked havoc on the environment, our mental health, our children's endocrine systems. Maybe if there were fences to protect small-scale, diversified, sustainable, pesticide-free, non-genetically modified family farms, that would be great. Fences seem good. Jesus says what goes into a man can't defile him. Consuming endless reality TV, where the dramatic culmination is always about casting out the loser, crystal meth, internet pornography, banal 24-hour news feeds. It seems like what we consume is making our nation sick and flat and unimaginative. It seems like it's killing our bodies and deadening our souls. Jesus seems to be saying, though, that it isn't what we consume, what we're fed, what we put in us that sickens the world. He's saying it's what comes out of the depths of our beings. It's what comes out of us. That's kind of a stunning indictment. The evil doesn't come from outside of me. I'm the one producing it. It comes from my insides, your insides, says Jesus. That's offensive, sort of to the core. And it seems like that's what he's going for here, the core. I mean, aren't we beautiful? Aren't we good? Aren't we made by God? I think Jesus makes his opinion pretty clear here. We're not good. Maybe beautiful, but not good. He's saying you can't say that you've been poisoned by what's out there. The bad guys, agribusiness, the evil other, them, your spouse, your enemy. It's not what they do. It's not them out there. It's us. What's inside us. Evil things come from within, he says. Evil things come from within. He could have been a little bit more moderate with his language. Evil? I mean, dark maybe I could go with. Is he trying to make us feel bad? Is that the point of Mark's gospel? We're bad and Jesus is a jerk? But Mark says his book is good news, like really good news. Why is it so weird? Maybe because the truth is so strange, so weird, that when it penetrates the culture humanity has created, it seems offensive. 
to anyone who has learned anything from the traditions of men, and we've all learned a lot, nearly everything. So God, the mysterious creator, lover, the unfathomable, the one subject to all our projections about who God is, the one made and remade according to our image, desires, ideas, wants to reveal God's self to humanity. So it becomes incarnate in the world, so our stories go. And if you read the Gospel of Mark, that revelation is surprising. I mean, Jesus may not be a gangster trying to lead the youth astray, but his purpose is clearly not to look good to the eyes of the good people or succeed at all according to the cultural standards. His objective is clearly not to be pure. I mean, he comes on strong right out of the gate displaying his impurity. He gets baptized immediately. He touches everything unclean. He adamantly doesn't stay within the bounds of what was considered good. He breaks what was considered to be the God-given rules. What a crazy thing for the incarnate God to do. Maybe Jesus was just sort of like the rebellious son of God. Or maybe God is trying to tell us something that's really hard for us to hear. If the incarnate God isn't even trying to be good, why do we think it's so important that we be? So important that we defend our honor or our purity? Why do we think that our goodness is so important that we make other people bad as a political strategy, as a running commentary in our heads, in our conversations with our friends? Why do we think it's so important that we be good, that we hide our insides, lie, don't really even have access to our core? We're so scared of not being good, or someone thinking we're not good. Why would we go on trying, spending so much of our energy, our able intellects, trying to separate ourselves from the bad, the evil other? I think maybe that's Jesus' point, if you can call it a point. You can't separate yourself out. He doesn't even try. He reverse tries. He unseparates himself entirely. He touches what's unclean and doesn't wash his hands afterwards. He's not at all scared of it. He communes with bad people. He looks into the dark like he's probing our insides, and he sees all these things he lists. Deceit, envy, pride, foolishness, murder. He knows these things in us. And this is the truly amazing thing. He doesn't come to condemn us. Not even his own murderers. Loves them. Us. Fornicators, enviers, arrogant fools. And that's offensive to our notions of what is good. The grace of God is indiscriminate. The Pharisees had all sorts of concerns about surfaces and orifices. It was about trying to keep the dirt out of the inside. It was a concern over orifices that made the washing of hands so important 
The organs, the hands that put the food in the mouth must be clean so that the dirt, the uncleanness, doesn't get inside. So concern for clean hands is a fence around the mouth. Jesus puts his spit on the tongue of a dumb man and on the eyes of a blind man. He puts his fingers in a man's ear. So funny the way he handles the human and beautiful with his spit and his skin. What goes into a man and woman? What are we made of? We're made of dirt, according to the Hebrew scriptures. How then could you keep the surfaces free of it? You can't keep it out. We're laced through with the stuff of humanity, sex and blood and hunger and the racing of the heart when we're threatened. Fear, anger, sorrow, envy. From dirt we came, and to dirt we we will return. We're dirty. God gives us life in all its bright and beautiful and dark and bacteria-laden complexity. God gives us this life, and God loves it, us. What's the rule-breaking, purity-violating God trying to tell us? Maybe don't worry so much about your goodness. However you define goodness, success, strength, maybe not morality, cultural cachet, liberty, conservatively, however you define goodness. Don't defend the purity of your heart. What a waste of time and a lie. It distracts from love, our concern for ourselves. Live in, a, in, live in the love. And there's this feeling you get from coming out from under those rules and pretenses and false selves and lies that's like nothing you've ever felt before. Like the budding of some exhilarating freedom. To be who you are and to love other people. And that's the grace of God. 